eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we may not be getting to talk about the Packers in the Super Bowl, but we do have a Super Bowl matchup that should be a lot of fun. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Perry, what did you think of Championship Sunday? And do you have a vested interest in the winner of Super Bowl 57? No, I just want to go home. I find it like really incredibly difficult to root against Jalen Hurts. However, as a New Yorker, I also feel like I can't root for the Eagles. <laughs> um, but I also would love to see Mahomes win his second because he's so deserving. But I also am not ready for all the Mahomes did it in six years and Rodgers couldn't do it in 12 narrative so i'm very undecided um i thought that championship sunday was interesting i'm curious what you thought about the games like the eagles 49ers game was just like a kind of a train wreck it's a little unfortunate to watch a team just it was just so mismatched um and then the Bengals chiefs game was phenomenal but the end just kind of I don't know, took the wind out of the sails. You know, I I wish it had actually gone down to the final seconds, but my take on it was that it was a pretty clear penalty. So if it had even been like remotely like 50-50, I would have been like, uh, let him play. But he like was fully out of bounds and got shoved. And if that was my quarterback, I'd be really pissed if they didn't throw a flag. Especially on the bad angle too. I think that, you know, plays into it. But yeah, I mean, I hate that it came down to all of those kind of ticky-tack things because it taints your perception of what was like a really good game and mark had even asked me i think at like the two minute warning and the Bengals had the ball he's like who wins and i was like oh absolutely the Bengals." and sure enough you know that's i mean the atmosphere at arrowhead was probably insane i know that the pre-show they were talking about how it was one of the loudest atmospheres they'd been a part of but i'm with you the eagles 49ers just it was such a letdown you know like we thought this was going to be a phenomenal game, two really good defenses, two explosive offenses. And then Brock Purdy gets hurt and his like fun storyline ends really sad. I think they just said that he had a full UCL tear too in his elbow. So really unfortunate for him. 
I think they asked George Kittle at post game, you know, like, how does it feel? And he was like, oh, you mean to not have a quarterback and losing the NFC championship game? Shitty. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, kind of question is that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got the Chiefs and the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. And we thought for today's show that we would have some fun looking at what these two Super Bowl teams have that the Packers don't have, <laughs> or maybe, you know, where they could improve going into the 2023 season. But first, I told you pre-show that I was crunching some numbers and I felt a little crazy, like that Charlie Day gift from Always Sunny where he's like stringing things together and pictures. That's how I felt putting this together. But I went all the way back to the Packers Super Bowl in 2010 and I looked at patterns or tried to find patterns in the numbers. And if you go all the way back to the 2014 Super Bowl when the Patriots beat Seattle, the better defense and points against has won. So we're talking eight, nine Super Bowls now that the better defense has come out on top, regardless of how explosive either offense has been. So if you look just strictly by those numbers, the Eagles are eighth in points against and the Chiefs are 16th. So that would tell you if the trend continues that the Eagles will be Super Bowl 57 winners. That's pretty wild because there's the whole mantra of defenses win championships and it's clearly true. Yeah, and I mean, I thought this was interesting because, you know, when we came up with the idea for the show, what the Packers are missing and how can they be Super Bowl contenders, I thought that we were, I was going to look through these numbers and I was going to see that these teams all had like top 10 offenses, top 10 defenses. And that historically hasn't been the case. 11 of the 24 teams in the last 12 Super Bowls have ranked outside of the top 10 in points for or against. So like almost half of teams, it didn't matter. You know, the Rams and the Bengals both had like right middle tier defenses, 15th and 17th. The Giants somehow won the Super Bowl with the 25th ranked defense. Um, So I thought it was really interesting because we've looked at the Packers numbers, obviously the last 10 years. And we've always said like the defense is what's stopping them from getting to the Super Bowl again. Mm -hmm. And it's true that the last time they had a top 10 Super Bowl, they did win the Super Bowl. But we've also seen a ton of teams go to win the Super Bowl with worse defenses than the Packers have had, at least statistically, the last you know handful of years. I wonder what that – I guess it's a, just about opponent then, just being better than your opponent. So the better your defense, the more likely it is that you're going to beat your opponent. But I do find that the like the trends with offenses to be very, very interesting because the Packers have historically had this like more explosive – you know, pass heavy offenses with Aaron Rodgers being Superman and everyone saying, you know, why can't they win? You know, look at all these weapons. They have Devonta Adams, they have Aaron Rodgers. And it really comes down to the fact that it actually potentially doesn't matter as much. So it's interesting to look at, especially because, you know, they've been pouring resources into the defense for so long now and everyone's been clamoring for a first round wide receiver, this and that and that, the other thing when obviously your numbers are are one trend, but it's showing like you probably should be pouring resources into your defense because ultimately it actually matters more that you're stopping your opponent. Because when you do get to that point in the playoffs, like you're going up against the best offenses, no matter what, everyone across the board. So it really is going to be about stopping your opponent. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really interesting too. Like the Broncos are a clear anomaly here. They won the Super Bowl in 2015 as the ninth 
19th best offense in points for, but pretty much every other Super Bowl win- winner in the last at least decade, if not longer, has been a top 10 offense. But, you know, the defenses that have won, they've been, you know, pretty good. They've most of them have been in the top 10, but the Rams just won last year with the 15th best defense. The Ravens won in 2012 with the 12th best defense. So we'll see if the Chiefs can do it, you know, now at the 16th you know, best defense. But I do think a lot of those numbers are like really telling because obviously, you know, if if we were just going to award the Super Bowl to whoever had the most points for the best defenses, these numbers would look the same every year. So any given Sunday still applies, especially in the playoffs when really bad teams like the Giants somehow beat the Packers and then win the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But I do think that it's kind of an interesting trend that regardless of how good or bad some of these teams are the defenses are really what carries them in like these big moments. Yeah. I wonder if it has anything to do with like scheme matchup as well. Yeah. Um, you know, like you can take a look at like what the giants deployed and that could also be an indication of, of how they won. Um, but it should be interesting. Cause like you said, the Eagles have the slightly better defense. So we'll see if this trend holds this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that then, because, you know, like we said at the top of the show, the theme for today was going to be what these Super Bowl teams have that Green Bay doesn't. And obviously you can make the case for a lot of the playoff teams having some of these same traits, but let's get started. Um, I want to talk about elite tight end play. And a lot of these things I think will be similar to our last episode about like biggest holes on this roster going into next season. You could argue, obviously, that tight end is one of those biggest holes. You've got Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs, who is an all pro, led the Chiefs in receptions with 110, had 1,300 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns. But then you look at Dallas Goddard's numbers for the Eagles, and obviously it's trickier to compare because he's got A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. But he had 700 yards, three touchdowns in 12 games. If you combine all of the Packers tight ends, so we're talking yeah. Tunyon, Lewis, Deguara, and Tyler Davis, they had 76 receptions, 676 yards, and four touchdowns on the entire season. So Dallas Goddard's numbers are better than all of the Packers uh, tight ends put together. Yep. I don't like making comparisons to guys like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle simply because right. they are like anomalies, but I feel like Dallas Goddard is like the perfect example for this where you don't need like one of the best tight ends. In you don't the need league. the all pro. No, but you need an offense that I think a caters to your pass catching tight end keyword, pass catching tight end and B like one that's, 
going to get involved, is going to be explosive, who just like, because I feel like at this point, you know, you get a great wide receiver. Okay. They, they run the route tree, et cetera. It's the explosive, like dynamic tight end that really adds the level to the offense that the Packers haven't had in a really long time. And if you want to start continue on with this like trend of making comparisons, the last time Packers won the Super Bowl, they had a game changing tight end. He didn't play because he got hurt, but Jermichael Finley was huge for that season. So yeah. they really have, I mean, Robert Tunyon had his one season like that, but it hasn't been repeated. And um, Rogers has always played better when he has a top, a top tight end target to throw to. They just haven't, they haven't been able to get him one. They tried with Jimmy Graham, the shell of Jimmy Graham, but they tried with Sternberger tried drafting one, but yeah, yeah it just hasn't panned it out. didn't work out. He's not on a team anymore. Um, Josiah DeGuara was never going to be that guy. He was always more of a gadgety guy and they've catered tight ends in the blocking game more so under the Matt LaFleur era, which again is fine because, you know, the ground game and the run game for the Packers is supposedly like their strength and tight ends are huge in that. But when you don't have someone who can really like attack the middle of the field, I think, and kind of, keep defenses on their toes. I mean, think about you got a tight end in the slot against a slot corner. That's like a mismatch every day that your quarterback's going to want to go to. I agree. And, you know, it's really hard because a lot of these offenses also had really nice supplementary pieces. You know, I mentioned Dallas Goddard being third on the team in receptions because AJ Brown and Devonta Smith both had over a thousand yards on the season. So like there's little asterisk asterisk is there's little caveats to, to all of these things. And, you know, Travis Kelsey obviously led the Chiefs, but MBS, really happy for him, by the way, that he gets to finally go to the Super Bowl. He had an awesome game. Juju Smith-Schuster got injured, but he was leading their offense in receptions for most of the season. Almost had a 1,000 yards. So I think, you know, we'll see. Like, Christian Watson can obviously emerge as wide receiver one. He finished the season as the Packers' leading touchdown scorer. But, like, you know, we talked about it. Alan Lazard could be gone. So whatever happens with the rest of the wide receiver room, whatever happens with the rest of the tight end room, they're going to need to replace a lot of these bodies as pass catchers because we talked about it, you know, a couple shows ago. You've still got Aaron Jones. You've got A.J. Dillon who can be threats in the receiving game. But the Packers still need a tight end that can serve that role. And Josiah DeGuara can be really fun. I thought he had a really nice, like, kind of under-the-radar season. But – they need an impact player like a Dallas Goddard. Even, you know, you could argue Hayden Hurst or Dawson Knox. I was just going to mention those two, because again, these aren't guys that jump off the page. They're not getting drafted high in fantasy or not talking about them as hall of famers. You know, like that's why I'm like, you have to separate the Kelsey's and the Kittles and the Gronks. Like those are a class of their own, but you can still have a very productive pass catching tight end just like a solid productive. I would love to see Hayden Hurst or like Dawson Knox's numbers that really kind of changed the game because Hayden Hurst has emerged, you know, when T Higgins and Jamar Chase are getting double teamed, Joe Burrow can find Hayden Hurst. Dawson Knox became Josh, one of Josh Allen's favorite red zone targets. So the Packers just, they just need a player like that. And it's interesting to me because they tend now to grab those like bigger bodied, you know, six, five pseudo tight end wide receivers. They just, they haven't found one who can 
get them the production that they're looking for. Yeah. So really curious to see what the Packers do at the tight end position, um, whether it's making a move in the draft. I would love to see them go after some type of vet. I think some of the guys we talked about have priced themselves out of Green Bay at this point, unless something crazy happens. But definitely, you know, a trend, I guess, that we've noticed thinking about what Super Bowl teams have that the Packers don't. Second on the list for me was productivity out of the defensive line and edge units. And obviously, again, a little caveat here because the Eagles, this unit is phenomenal. But I ran the numbers just because, you know, it was a very numbers heavy show for me. But I took the top five players just based on sack totals for each team. The Eagles have Hassan Riddick, who is a second team all pro that, you know, doesn't count necessarily 16 sacks, Javon Hargrave, 11 sacks, Josh Sweat, 11 sacks, Brandon Graham, 11 sacks, Fletcher Cox, seven sacks. That's 56 sacks, 95 quarterback hits and 54 tackles for loss just from those five players. This season, this season, the Chiefs. Wait, have- how, I'm sorry. How many, <laughs> how many players did they have? Five that players. Had- and that's uh, that had double digit sacks. Uh, four. Three of them had 11, and then Hassan Riddick had 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't see my face right now, but my jaw is on my desk. Yeah. So, like, and so obviously can't replicate those numbers. Like, there's not really a unit. Maybe you could argue Washington. I would have to go look those up with their front. That's all first round picks, you know, to see who can kind of compete with this unit. But the Chiefs even, I was like, okay, let's take their, you know, their top five. They've sure. got Chris Jones, who is a first team all pro again, caveat 15 sacks. They've got George Karloftis, who we both really liked coming out of the draft, six sacks. Frank Clark had five sacks. Michael Dana had five sacks. Carlos Dunlap had four. So obviously not as explosive of numbers. 35 sacks for those five players combined, 75 quarterback hits and 42 tackles for loss. If you take the f- the most productive Packers, their top five, you've got Preston Smith, who had eight and a half sacks, Rashawn Gary, who still is second on the team if, despite missing, you know, half the season. He had six sacks. Kenny Clark had four. JJ Nagbari had three. And Jaron Reed had 2.5. So that's yeah. 24 sacks, 64 quarterback hits, and 31 tackles for loss. So that's 32 sacks less than the Eagles starting five. And the Eagles had a ton of other supplementary guys that were rotating, and I think they had like 80 sacks on the season for the team. Yeah, I mean, they drafted one of the best D linemen, Jordan Davis. Yeah. I'm in shock, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, yeah, I mean, when you make that comparison, it's so stark. And you can you can say, like, from the naked eye watching the Packers this season, right, that their front just was not as disruptive as yeah. you would have liked, right? The, the names weren't popping off. The stats weren't popping off. And... Like we've had this conversation about, okay, what are areas that the Packers need to kind of add talent to this offseason? And it's it's the it's the D-line. But to put it in that kind of black and white of a comparison, they are so much further behind than I think I even realized. And like truly winning at the line of scrimmage is everything. Yeah. Disrupting the O-line, disrupting the quarterback, like pressuring even if it doesn't turn into sacks let's say even if it's just about like pressure rates and qb hits you have to be able to disrupt the game you have to be able to like give your secondary some relief 
Yeah. And I mean, I think that was, you know, one of the things here too, is even if you like, you don't have a quarterback when you don't have a quarterback that can scramble, it's especially imperative, you know, to, to have a stout offensive line. And I want to talk about that next, but you know, I know that like the Packers, obviously they didn't draft a guy like TJ Slayton to be a sack master. Like he was supposed to be a run stuffer. He was just a big body in the middle of the defensive line. Like I understand a lot of that, but it seems like, especially if you take a look at, you know, the Eagles D line, they have so many players that can do everything. They can stop the run. They can get after the quarterback. They can generate pressure from just about anywhere on the line. And that's what this Packers defensive line is missing. I thought Jaron Reed had a really nice like second half of the season. And I think he was really close and should have had more than two and a half sacks. Like he was just a hair away a bunch of different times, you know, whether the quarterback snuck out threw the ball away, whatever it was, but just as a unit, you know, as a whole 24 sacks between their top five guys looks pretty abysmal. When you think about, you know, even like the chiefs defensive line, I wouldn't call it one of the best. I mean, Chris Jones obviously is an all pro and Frank Clark, always seems to come out in the playoffs and just have like insane numbers. But for them to have 11 more sacks than the Packers front five or the Packers best five with Rashawn Gary missing a lot of the season was concerning. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So then I said I'd talk about this. I do want to mention the offensive line a little bit because obviously the Packers dealt with a lot this season. You could argue it looks a lot different if David Bakhtiari is healthy, if Elton Jenkins is healthy to start the season. The musical chairs is kind of cheating, but I do want to talk about the offensive line a little bit because for the Eagles, Lane Johnson, the right tackle, was a first-team All-Pro. Jason Kelsey, their center, was a first-team All-Pro. Creed Humphrey from the Chiefs, their center, and Joe Thune, the left guard, they were second team all pros for Kansas City. And I thought this was interesting when I was trying to get some numbers together. Back in October, Jeff Schwartz wrote an article about the top five offensive lines in the NFL. First and second were the Eagles and the Chiefs. So, you know, you could call it a coincidence. Of course, you know, we can make connections to a lot of things. But the fact that from a former offensive lineman, his top two rated offensive lines are the units that are left standing going into the Super Bowl. I just don't think you can underestimate, especially going up against the defensive lines we just talked about and how productive they've been, how effective an offensive line really is when you don't have a good one. I would love to see the numbers do the same thing that we did for defenses, but for offensive lines going back in the Super Bowl, because I keep thinking about like if the Bengals had beaten the Chiefs last night, like how that line would have just absolutely gotten wrecked by the Eagles. I don't think Joe Burrow would have been able to get a pass off. Yeah. Um, But it's true. And I think like you can see it again, taking this back to the Packers. 
the differences of when, you know, they're starting their best starting five are out there versus when they're rotating depth players is pretty stark. I mean, having David Bakhtiari versus not having David Bakhtiari is one thing, but when the line struggles, everything struggles, the quarterback struggles, run game struggles, and the offense can't get anything going. And I know that we, I think we've been pretty spoiled of having like very good offensive lines in the last few years in green Bay always having some one, if not two, all pro pro bowl level players on that line. But um, I think from center and over on the right side, like you could make the argument that those spots are up in the air this off season because they just didn't perform up to standard. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's, that's kind of one of the, the traits that we always joke about when it's, it's draft season is, you know, you got to like pencil in three spots for the offensive line because whatever else happens, Goot is going to take at least two or three big guys. And historically, you know, the Packers have found a, a lot of successes doing that. David yeah. Bakhtiari being the best example as a fourth rounder. So I would bet, you know, I don't think it'll be a first round pick, but I think the Packers will invest heavily again in the offensive line in this draft class, just, you know, to take a couple more swings at the fences because it's been working out and, you know, Maybe John Runyon is the guy still at right guard. Maybe Sean Ryan comes back from suspension and earns one of the starting spots. But whatever happens, the offensive line does have to play better in 2023. Yeah, always. Especially, Especially if, if you're have... <laughs> <laughs> about to say a first-year starter behind there who's yep. going to need maybe a little bit more time. We're always on the same page, I think. Always. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing I wanted to talk about um, – for what these Super Bowl teams have that Green Bay didn't is red zone efficiency. And this feels like, you know, you could talk about any productive team that goes to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs were second in the league in red zone efficiency. They scored a touchdown on 69% of their drives. The Eagles were third in red zone efficiency, scored a touchdown on 67% of their drives, 68 if we want to round up. The Packers were 24th in the league in red zone efficiency, scoring a touchdown on 52% of their trip. So almost half the time they're trying to at least settle for a field goal or they're in goal to go situations and turn it over on downs. So really stark differences here between the two Super Bowl teams and the Packers all the way in the bottom third of the league. I mean, this one, I think, is just self-explanatory. It is. You can't yeah. score touchdowns. You're not winning football games. <laughs> Absolutely. So I do think, like, it would be interesting to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the change in the Packers' red zone efficiency and try to figure out what it was that made it drop off. Obviously, Devontae Adams is probably variable number one. Um, but what they were they were calling um, the lack of, I think, running efficiency in the red zone is probably something that sticks out in my mind. Like we watched the Eagles in the NFC championship game run for four touchdowns. So maybe, maybe for a future episode. <laughs> okay. So before we wrap things up, do you have any predictions for this game? Who do you think comes out on top? We've got, you know, if we're going to go back to the top 10, you know, debate about where teams are ranked. The Chiefs are first in points per game. Eagles are third in points for um, the Chiefs are 16th in points against and the Eagles are eighth. Um, just, you know, 
as a side note, none of the first or second ranked offenses have won the Super Bowl going back to at least 2010. I didn't go any further than that because I, you know, I had things to do today, but going <laughs> back to the Packers Super Bowl, the first or second ranked offense have not won. They've made it, but they've lost. Interesting. I actually have zero like gut feeling or inclination about how this one is going to go. I think you can make an argument for either team. Um, some of their strengths are the other's weaknesses. Like I think that the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball against the chiefs, but I think, I also think that their, their rush is, is probably going to be able to get to Mahomes, especially if he's less mobile, but at the same time, Mahomes is magic. And I don't know if the Eagles secondary can cover for that long, um, but it will, it'll just depend on, which weapons they have available. Obviously they think they have the coaching advantage on that side. So it's going to be a very evenly matched, hopefully a very good game. I'm curious what your thoughts are though. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. I, you know, I think there's recency bias where I was rooting for the Bengals just because whenever the Packers are eliminated, I always root for the team that has never won the Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl outside of the Vikings. I will never ever root for them in my whole life, but so that, you know, that was, you know, rooting for the Bengals at that point. The the Chiefs have been there a lot, but I'm sure everybody listening to this would say the same thing about the Packers. If you're not a Packers fan, there's a lot of, you know, get somebody new in there anyway. So can't really talk about that. But I think the Eagles have the slight edge. I would say the Chiefs have the advantage when it comes to like coaching and experience. They've been there before. And the Eagles, some of them have been there, obviously, like Jason Kelsey's been there. But it's a really right. young squad. Um, but I think as far as like, I feel like this one could be like really explosive, like a lot of points. Because I just, I don't know if either defense is going to be able to to hang with some of these offenses. Well, I guess we will find out. I would love a high-flying, entertaining game. Like uh, it comes down to who has possession in the last drive kind of game. That would be really fun. They're not fun when it's your team, but they're really fun no. when it's, you know, you have no, in, in, no rooting interest. And I know we talked about it a little bit on the show, but... I personally am super stoked for MBS. I, you know, I, I, I hope he goes and gets his. He led all of the receivers in the conference championships. He had six receptions for 116 yards. The second receiver was T. Higgins with six receptions for 83 yards. So it's just really cool to see him, Tim, go off in like a really big game. I agree with that. I very much am kind of rooting for his success. And I think he kind of got lost in the 2022 off season just with like everything that was happening with the kind of two bigger names and um, to see him kind of go obviously to a better team um, with an also probably future hall of fame quarterback and get the time and attention. And they're asking him to do things. Green Bay didn't ask him to do. He's not just a deep threat for the chiefs offense and he was able to step up in like a really big game for them when they lost, they lost some of their best players. So um, I wouldn't hate it if the chiefs won and MBS got his ring. I think that'd be awesome. His best season came with the Packers in 2020, but just by three yards, he had a really nice productive season for the chiefs this year. And it's fun to see him have like a carved out role in their offense, because I think the Packers tried to do some of that and it just wasn't always successful but that is all the time that we have on today's show 
who knows what we're going to talk about next week the pro bowl i don't know it's flag football now we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll let you know next week when you come back and listen you can follow the podcast on twitter at pwss podcast you can find perry on twitter at perry underscore goldstein you can find me on twitter at maggie j loney make sure you follow subscribe download all of the episodes it really helps out our numbers and like i said yeah we'll be back next week talking about we don't know yet but it'll be practice related maybe something to do with the super bowl thank you of course for listening and go pack go go pack go